This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Rory Jeffs, who's the CEO of Opera Australia. Great to talk to you, Rory. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Thanks. Um, Rory, you've, you're coming up for your f- uh, second anniversary in charge of Opera Australia, and before that you were, spent a long time with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Um, is it very different? I mean, obviously two arts organisations. Um, is Opera different to run than uh, the orchestra? Well, it's interesting. When, when I was with uh, the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, I thought that it was quite a complicated uh, organisation. Um, then moving into opera, you realise uh, just the the sheer scale of things you have to get right and the number of things that have to align so that at 7.30 on any particular day, the curtain goes up and everything's where it should be. It, yeah, it's a pretty complex uh, operation. Well, and because you uh, do, you employ a, a uh, an orchestra at the uh, at the opera as well as the um, as well as the singers. Yes, we have the Opera Australia Orchestra, and then we also have a chorus, and we have principal singers, and we have wardrobe, we have stage, we have um, lighting, we have wig makers. It's just an amazing array of talent that uh, that that is uh, available at Opera Australia. And what's your total staff that you have actually paid you know paid a salary? Well, it varies enormously, of course, because uh, depending on what season we're in, we have a lot of casual employees. But we have about 350 um, full-time equivalent. And at any particular time, we can have uh, over 1,000 people actually on the payroll. So, for instance, uh, last month, we had 971 people that were actually relying on Opera Australia for their living. And, and do many, uh, are many sort of, uh, singers and, and actually uh, performers on full-time salary or are they all paid as casuals? No, you, so the chorus, uh, the chorus, which is uh, 42 people, are all on full-time salaries. Um, and they're pretty busy because uh, across the various seasons and all the other things we do, um, they're, they're pretty full employed. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, is it possible for a, I mean, is it, is it difficult for an opera singer um, to make a living in Australia? Well, it's, uh, I mean, yes, it is. Um, just like any artist in Australia or indeed anywhere in the world, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a complicated thing to actually make a living. Um, we're really proud of the fact we're able to maintain a full-time chorus and a full-time orchestra, as well as a lot of art- other artisans across the range of what we do. Um, but it's, uh, you know, don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's not the safest of careers to decide to go into. No, indeed. And I, I look, I'm just, I find your, your annual report really interesting um, uh, in that you, you are generating, I didn't realise this, 77% of your own revenue and 54% of it comes from box office. So there's a bit of philanthropy, a bit of sponsorship as well, but 23% comes from the government. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we're actually, and so the, I, I, uh, we're, we're actually the only actually, ma- major opera company in the world that generates more than half of our turnover from ticket sales. We're really proud. Right, of that. I didn't. I didn't realise that. I, I, it, I was surprised at how much it was. I didn't realise you're the only one who does that. Yep. Yeah. It's. Uh, you know. I think it's because uh, a few years ago, and I can say it's because it was before I was there. Opera Australia made the really brave and uh, and I think enlightened decision to really look to grow what it is that we do because. Um, you know, opera in the 21st century has a danger of becoming a bit of a museum piece. And we really see our role as being caretakers of the art form, not curators, because that implies that it's all in the past, but actually um, as caretakers of it, and making sure that opera can be something that is really celebrated and be of contemporary relevance today. 
I mean, your, your total, I look in the thing, that your total um, box office for attendance uh, for the year last year was 543,498. That's it. But it was so dominated by the big ones, La Boheme, Merry Widow, Magic Flute and Aida. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, and look, uh, you know, Metamorphosis was like a thousand people mm-hmm. by, compared to compared to forty thousand for Magic Flute and um, uh, forty eight thousand for Labo M. So uh, I mean, is is part of his success that you do the big ones all the time? Is that, oh, I is think that so. How it yes, works? I mean, there is an enormous market for the 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 great operas of the past. I mean, if you look at our Sydney summer season this year as an example, uh, we did a total of 66 performances in that season at the Sydney Opera House. 22 of those were La Boheme, 22 of them were Turandot, and then we did 22 performances of three operas um, combined, which were Wozzeck, Werther and Salome. And 26,000 people came to see La Boheme, 24,000 came to Turandot, and 20,000 to the other three. Um, So... You know, the the great classics of the past are extremely popular, but as a, an arts company that is about, as I say, caretaking the art form, to do the less well-known operas like Beggs, Wozzeck, um, with the William Kentridge production that's just um, been very well recognised by the Helpman Awards, um, you know, that, that that's why we're here, to achieve that kind of balance of audience participation but also artistic kind of dynamism. So when you sit down each year, I presume you do it a fair way ahead, to work out your, your program for each year, you've got to then do a balance then between the big ones that you know are going to get the get the box office and the, and the less well-known ones that aren't, I guess. Absolutely. That you feel a responsibility towards doing. Is that right? Oh, that's absolutely right. So, I mean, you pick on uh, Metamorphosis. Uh, what an incredible production. But we know we're only going to get about 1,000 people coming to it. Uh, so we do that um, uh, with all the same uh, standards of excellence that we try to bring to everything that we do. But we present it in the dock at the Opera Centre in Surrey Hills um, and at the Malt House in um, Melbourne, rather than imagining we're going to put those on the stage of the Sydney Opera House. It's all a question of balance. You'd lose a packet on it, I suppose. Well, we lose a packet on it anyway, but it's about the artistic payback, not just the financial one. Yes. And, and um, your own background, you, I think you were with 12, 12 years with um, the Symphony Orchestra. What, what, what um, led, to your, um, led to your career in arts management? Well, I, um, when I was at university, I went to university at Oxford and uh, I was a choral scholar there and my degree was in music. Um, music has always been the core part of my life and really core part of my soul. Um, but after I left university, the great, the great uh, advantage I had of being a choral scholar at Christchurch um, was that I was surrounded, it was a very, very good choir, despite the fact I was in it, uh, but I was surrounded by people who were much better than I was. And so I kind of twigged that uh, the life of a professional singer was not something that was going to be a great success for me. Um, but music really is is so core to me that I wanted to go and get experience doing other things, perhaps in the more commercial world, um, before getting back into arts management. And uh, rather, rather circuitous route and uh, took me rather longer than I'd originally imagined, um, but then kind of won the lottery and um, uh, became managing director of the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Um, and that was uh, um, really like coming home for me. Right, and um, and is running the opera, as you say, it's more complex, I guess. It's larger, bigger budget. Um, uh, one, thing, uh, one thing about the annual report that strikes me is there's no dollar signs in there. I can't figure out from, from that uh, what your budget is. 
actually? Uh, it's uh, uh, the financial reports are separate. They're on the website. Next oh, I to see. The I didn't report. see that. It's um, it's, a, it's uh, just over 120 million a year. Right. And is the I mean is the trend uh, upwards? I mean, are more people uh, each year attending the opera or fewer? So we have uh, growing audiences. Audiences have roughly doubled over the last eight years. Um, and that's because uh, rather than imagining opera as just being, I uh, say just, but the core of it, of course, is what we do at the Opera House and at the um, Arts Centre in Melbourne. But we've really reached out and we take opera out of the Opera House with things like Handra Opera on Sydney Harbour or up on the beach in, um, in the Gold Coast. Um, and these things are really about, you know, does does the mountain go to Mohammed or Mohammed to the mountain? Well, we believe in taking opera out and really presenting it in unusual and exciting spaces as a way of growing the audiences. But um, certainly our experience uh, is that um, if you get that right and you provide the kind of range of exciting opportunities for people to participate with opera, uh, then audiences grow. And that has been our experience and it's something we very much hope will continue. Yes, one of your most um, uh, popular events is uh, Opera in the Domain in Sydney, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's uh, it's um, an iconic event every year. Um, we've done it for about 30 years now, um, an annual event uh, um, at the Domain, uh, which, of course, is free, and also at the, um, uh, the Maya Bowl in Melbourne. That's right, and um, it's interesting that the, uh, the, the audience in Sydney is so much more than in Melbourne, and one would have thought perhaps... Uh, the uh, uh, Melbourne's a more artistic centre, but anyway, maybe everyone's at the footy. That's what the problem is. But yeah, very possibly. But also, of course, there are more events that happen at the Maya Bowl. It's a year-round venue, whereas the Domain is uh, only over that kind of Sydney festival period. And apparently, you've got a uh, helicopter pilot's licence. Yes, that's uh, as I talk about my circuitous route through life. Uh, my first uh, job after um, being at university was uh, I was a professional helicopter pilot which was, um, you know, I, it's another one of my passions. I have a few passions in life, and recreational flying now is, uh, is very much part of that. Do you don't have your own, or do you have your own helicopter? Sadly, after I'd stopped doing it professionally, it became um, financially unviable, let's put it like that. Um, so I actually got into um, flying microlights, which was uh, something I did for a long time, and um, um, that my kind of uh, ambitions in that culminated with me flying a microlite from India back to the UK, um, on, which took about six weeks as a big fundraiser for an Indian charity that I was involved with. Um, and that kind of got right. that particular kind of craziness out of my system. Well, you've got children now. You can't go about doing things like that anymore. Well, absolutely right. Although my youngest daughter is called India after um, both my wife and I have a passion for India. And um, that's now uh, exemplified in our youngest daughter's name. Well, that's delightful. Great to talk to you, Rory. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks very much indeed. Good to talk to you. I've been talking to Rory Jeffs, who is the CEO of Opera Australia.